Hey, Derek Reimer. Hello, Ben Orenstein. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Ben Orenstein. <laughs> oh, is that who I am to you? Ben Orenstein? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a classic. How often do you get that, by the way? Um, 30% of the time. Okay. Yeah. 20% of the time. It's fair. It's a reasonable... That's a totally normal and, and standard way to pronounce that. I feel like it's an even split on whether it's Stein versus Steen on... Yep. Yeah, you can't win this. It's just, I think someone in my family arbitrarily chose that years ago. And so if people get it wrong, I, I don't care at all. <laughs> well, I'm 90% Reamer. So <laughs> yeah, people don't know their Germanic rules. <laughs> yep. That's fair. Yeah. So how's it going? I'm uh, going pretty well. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I'm actually really good. Trip to Maine was awesome. Good. Yeah. So drove up with your co-founders. Is that right? Yep, we hopped in a car and drove up. It was about five hours, which is actually it was five hours of driving, and then we hit the ferry, and the ferry w- was uh, half an hour or something. Actually, not really, it's a little shorter. But like we're going to an island, so it's you know unload all the stuff from the car, put it on the ferry, get the thing, get to the other side, take another car over to the house. It was a trip to get there, but once we were there, it was pretty awesome. So this island was um, Greater Cranberry Island, which is off the coast of Maine, and Spencer's grandparents actually built this house there like seventy years ago. But it's, it's awesome. There's like about 150 people that live there. Like a really, really small island. There's like one road, really, one paved road that runs along the center of the island. It's about like a mile and a half, two miles long. And that's, there's some like side roads with houses on them. And that's it. Nice. Wow. Were you off the grid? Was there internet access out there? Or There was internet. Uh, there was power and plumbing and all that. <laughs> okay. uh, but just, it's about as isolated as you could get and still have that connectivity, I think. Like no one knew we were there. Spencer's mom uh, lives in the, like a house next door to the, the one we were in. So like we, there was basically one person on the island who knew us uh, and knew we were there. And so it was just kind of the perfect amount of isolation. It was really, really focusing. Had like a super good productive week there. And this is something I've experienced a couple times now. So I used to do those codecations with Chris and Edwin. And something about going to a new place, getting out of your normal routines, and being somewhere explicitly to get stuff done and trying to ship a thing by the end of it just works so well. Yeah. I did something like that, too, when I was building CodeTree. And it was like a nights and weekends uh, product. And so... I would struggle to find time consistently during the work week and especially if things were busy. And so I remember there was one time when I wanted to just like make some significant strides on the product and I've been like looking for stretches of uninterrupted time and I just decided to take a long weekend, went to the coast, central coast of California and we had friends who had a beach house, so just stayed there and I worked around the clock and then took breaks and went and walked on the beach and it was just, yeah, it was great. I feel like I'm collecting these like all these like silly brain hacks that work for weird reasons uh, or reasons that I don't quite understand, but Hey, like it's, it's, it's effective. And so like just getting somewhere else seems to work really well for me and Joel and Spencer too. Like we had a couple of days where I think we probably did maybe like 10 productive hours of work with like almost no breaks in there. And we were coding too. So it's like, it was just like deep concentration work and we would break for lunch for like 25 minutes and then get back to it. The great thing is it didn't feel like a chore. It was just like, there's like a joy in like being so focused on a thing and getting stuff done and just just like really sinking your teeth into a problem, have it fully loaded into your head and not having to unload it for other things. I know sometimes it's nice. Just like I, I, I don't have to do dishes or maybe you did cause you're staying in a house, but like chores like that, where that would maybe distract you if you were working out of your house or something like that are just 
mostly gone. And yeah, and like there's like you're not going to run down to the coffee shop. You don't see like oh that bill in your inbox of that thing and get reminded you have to pay that. And like there's something about like the sacrifice of moving to a different place and like giving up a bunch of things that makes you want to make it productive. I really didn't want to waste it. And so I was like really trying to make sure we like got stuff. Uh, I got stuff done and was productive the whole time. And then that sort of mood fell over everyone. So it's like all of us kind of want to make sure we're all being productive. And it sort of reinforces like if I had a moment, where I was like, oh, I could take a break. And I was like, ah, but everyone else is going. I'll just I'll just get, get back to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think you'll do more of these? Will this be kind of a recurring thing? Totally. I mean, like it works really well. So why not? We chatted about that. And so we're, we're looking towards October as sort of another one because it worked. And also we have some more connections with people that have houses that maybe we don't have to pay for. And the thing that we realized is like, this was really nice because it's a cool location and it's beautiful. And it was fun to see where Spencer spent a lot of time, but uh, it's also really far. And I don't think the distance has much to do with the productivity. I think even if you were half an hour from your house, just like when you don't really know the area and you're, you're isolated, I think that, that, that would do it enough. Yeah. It's something I've, I've been toying around with, but I'm also like, I know I keep telling myself, which is probably not a valid argument for the reasons we just discussed, but could I really justify paying for an Airbnb somewhere for a couple of days, you know, when I could just be sitting at my desk getting the same work done? Like now I don't have the constraints of a day job where I'm like trying to, you know, radically get into a different mindset. It's like I'm basically doing exactly what I'm doing here. So are the benefits worth it for me as a like solo founder to just go like (laughs) off somewhere? But perhaps they are, you know? I think there are. I think you'd be surprised. I think it would actually work pretty well and you would find yourself more productive. Yeah. And even just like having family around and, and all that, like just is, is great most of the time. But if every so often you want to really focus, it can that solitude can help a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I think I'll give it a try. I think it's worth it. I think you can do it for pretty cheap. Like you, it was nice that we were like Spencer's house has a view of the ocean, which is pretty awesome. But we didn't really use like we walked by the water and like waded in and did some stuff like that. But it could have just been any random Airbnb, like a cheap whatever thing. If it's got a kitchen and some internet, you're basically there. Yeah. 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 We also like went grocery shopping early on, just like stocked up for the whole week. So like we could just like make our own meals, didn't have to go out, didn't have to worry about finding, okay, where do we, what do we need to do for lunch? That's another thing that has worked well for us in the past or for me with like the codecations in particular. Yeah. And that could be a challenge of um, working from home that I found is like, um, if I'm not diligent about pre-planning for things like what am I going to have for meals today? I'll get into the flow, get some work done. And then like it's nearing lunch. Wait, what am I going to eat today? What what food do I have? And oh, yeah, I'm, I got to cook dinner tonight. I guess those aren't factors when you're uh, when you've pre-planned or you're in a different location where it's just like non non-issues. Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah. The upshot of all that is we had hit a pretty awesome milestone, which is just to remind people, we had basically scrapped our Electron-based version of our app, which had actually a number of features working. It was like, I wouldn't say it was anywhere near feature complete, but was very much a, a functional prototype. And we are now back there to the point where we have a native functional prototype. We're sharing a screen across you know, multiple machines. We have a Rails signaling server, which handles the like connecting the two peers together that I wrote that is actually functioning and working we're very energized because now it feels there's a while where we're all sort of just like or everyone was kind of heads down on like getting the native thing working and not a lot to show for it because there's just a lot of learning to do and libraries to learn and and all this and now it's like okay we have a skeleton of a thing that works and there's a ton more to do but the basic thing works i can see how from here we get to a thing that's good enough to ship to our alpha people and that's that's very exciting for all of us 
I think of it as like laying the foundation of a house or a structure, you know, and before you have that foundation, it's just, it's hard to even make checklists of things to do because like you don't have a foundation on which to build and now you have that. So it's a great place to be. It's kind of like that. It's like the foundation plus the framing, like the, the walls have now gone up. And so it's like, there's nothing on them. And it's like, there's no plumbing or no electricity, but you can now see like, oh, here's the living room. Oh, here's where the bathroom's going to be. And this is a closet. And that's how the, the app is starting to feel now where everything is janky. But it's like our current thing we're trying to get to is dog food ability. Actually be able to like pair using the app while we work on the app. And that does not feel super, super far away, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. What are you using to keep track of like tasks left to do? Is it pretty lightweight at this point? Or are you guys using a tool for that? We, um, sort of a mix of Basecamp and GitHub issues. Okay. Yeah. Nice. We're in the easiest case where like most of the time we're in the same room and we have all the yeah. context. So I feel like almost anything would work at this point for us. We're, we're in a simple state right now. Yep. Yep. That's exciting. Like having the native thing working is so good. And I also set up like a, the skeleton of like a homebrew distribution thing or homebrew tap. So it's like eventually you're going to be able to like just brew cask tap tuple or whatever it is and get our thing and have it installed and it'll be real and it's very exciting yeah yeah i like it yeah the pieces are coming together very nice yeah so yeah i feel good things are pretty good anything going on in the marketing realm to report on or is it just kind of um a thing is coming up on my list of uh copying your handle reservation thing nice yep i think that's getting more and more imminent I've been working on the Rails backend for a while, and that's getting close to the where we want it, I think. So I think pretty soon it'll be like that won't be a blocker. And so I'll be able to turn my attention to some something like that. I think that's probably the next marketing thing to happen. Yeah, nice. I'm anxious to see how that works out. I'm sure it's going to work fabulously. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. There's some like block I have in my head about not wanting to do it. I, I think I'm like afraid that I'll try it and it won't work and I'll be pissed because it worked so well for you or something. Oh, yeah. I don't know what's going on there, but there's like something in me that's like, I don't want to do it for some reason. So I, I just got to push through that, I think. Yeah, it's understandable, but push through it. It's worth it. <laughs> yeah. Let's exploit that scarcity reflex in people. <laughs> yep. The, the one nice thing is like people are signing up at a pretty good clip on the landing page which is nice like we're averaging probably 15 people a day which is not shabby and like that tweet ask on the follow-up page seems to work really well like there's just like a pretty constant stream of people tweeting out like and a lot of people just keep that default tweet that i wrote which so i can like just straight up find it it's cool to see that that functions and some of these people have a decent number of followers and so it's like it's that whole viral thing is happening a little bit it's a nice little flywheel going on, you know, we're just kind of and I think it's still happening for level to a certain degree because there's still a steady stream and I haven't really done a whole lot of direct promotion right now. Just just occasional, you know, tweeting on my personal account and stuff like that. But um, you're up to forty five hundred handle reservations. That's like crazy. I know. That's yeah. awesome. I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> pissed at you. Um, <laughs> so we're at we're at like sixteen hundred something people on our our list. And you didn't launch that much more before us, so I kind of have to catch now, you. Now, granted, and you'll probably observe the same thing when you do this, but I just will occasionally peruse through the database table and see who's signing up. And I feel like most people, probably more than 50% of people, reserve more than one handle. Like, they get a personal one and then a business one. I haven't made it totally clear whether users and spaces or companies will share the same top level namespace, you know, kind of like GitHub does. 
there's a lot of duplicates. So when I when I do actually like let people officially, you know, sign up and like use one of the handles they reserved, I'm gonna have to think of some way to like let people reconcile their all their duplicates because everyone's doing like the plus one plus two trick with their Gmail accounts and stuff mm, like that. Interesting. Yeah. So that number is a little bit inflated, <laughs> but <laughs> but still a good number. <laughs> yeah. I think you said you saw someone who like was like, I don't really know what this is, but I just reserved my handle because I want to. Yeah. So I imagine so it's, the, it's varying quality, you know, probably people who aren't just signing up because of the scarcity are perhaps higher quality. But, you know, you just kind of go in knowing that. Yeah. Well, a lot of looky loos in there. Probably still worth it. There's going to be some good, oh, yeah. good, good leads in there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that might be it for me. I think things are good, but that's that's the end of it. Sweet. Yeah, in the level world, I've been, um, so I kind of have touched on this a few times in the last few episodes, but one of the biggest unknowns is exactly how the mechanics of the inbox are going to work. And that's been on on my radar as like the probably the single most critical piece to make sure I execute well on, because if that doesn't function well, then the whole promise of the app sort of breaks down. So I have been giving a lot of kind of deliberate attention to that task over the last week. There were definitely a couple of days where I felt like I was kind of in the in the trough of sorrow where it's like, you know, it, it's one of those kind of iceberg features where it looks really simple on the surface and then you start to dip below and it's like, uh, there's just so many little decisions about how information should flow through the app. And I think it's just a testament to like some of the best executed products that feel really simple to use were probably very difficult to to nail. You know, we've all seen products where there's some kind of activity feed built into them or something that kind of represents activity that has happened in the product and a poorly executed activity feed is just garbage, you know, it's just like unusable like so that's what I'm trying to avoid and I'm trying to kind of mesh the ideas of you know, some people think of their inbox as their to-do list or like a list of tasks and things that they need to take action on. And ideally, everything in there would be actionable and things that are not actionable would not be taking up a, a large portion of of the inbox. So there's like kind of thinking of them as tasks or thinking of them as notifications. And so I've kind of been going through the mental exercise of like, what is the paradigm that I'm mirroring here? Because it's important for people to be able to understand what's been happening, what activity has been happening, which kind of points more towards a notification type model or like a notification queue. But then I think ultimately it's most valuable if things are aggregated and gathered together as like actionable to-do items. One of the things I've been doing, which I usually find helpful when thinking through these types of problems is thinking about data model because it kind of forces you to think like, okay, how how does the data fit together? How are things related? And what should they be named? And that's where I was like, would this table be called tasks or notifications or activities? Or, you know, what are they? And even just that kind of sent me down a whole path of just kind of thinking at a higher level. So I feel like it's sort of counterintuitive that thinking about something so like technical implementation details can kind of send you back into a loop of like higher level conceptual thinking Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah and was that helpful or did you feel like you're getting kind of blocked on that i think ultimately it was helpful because these are things that are that i need to suss out it did feel like it sort of started to the scope started to widen on what i wanted like i just wanted to to start incrementally biting off this elephant you know but it, it did feel for a little while in there 
Like I didn't know what small steps to take because every time I try to make one decision, it would kind of lead to five more decisions. And then I would have to think through five more things and then those would spin off more. So it was a little bit frustrating. Probably the most frustrating part was was finding it difficult to, to break it up into small chunks. What I need to do and what I feel like I'm starting to wrap my arms around is like kind of get my own mental understanding at least 90% there on how this whole thing is going to work. And then that'll allow me to start start breaking it off into small pieces. Yeah. And how do you feel about your progress on that so far? I think I'm almost there. I think I'm almost there. I, I have some like sketches in my notebook. I have some mock-ups in sketch that I had started building a few weeks back and then kind of returned back to more like uh, low fidelity sketches. And then I've kind of revisited those and s- spotted areas where like, okay, this this is not the way to structure it, but I can make these small changes. And so I feel like I'm making progress on it. Now I'm sort of at a decision point. I think I know which direction I'm leaning, but I actually want to toss a few next step ideas at you to, to get cool. your take. Hot seat time. Uh, yeah. I like it. So assuming that I've wrapped my head around how I think the inbox should work, I could either trust my instincts and start building it with the goal of building a minimum viable version of this and then start getting a group of alpha slash beta testers actually using it and posting messages, seeing them flow in the inbox and start actually using the V1. Or I could try to build a prototype, which may take less time, but would probably be throwaway code because it's not actually building it for real and try to get feedback from people on whether this is what they expected or whether they feel like it's usable to get feedback perhaps earlier. So is the prototype usable or is it like like a faked out demo kind of thing? It would probably be something faked out. Or option number three would be like just build static mockups and try to talk people through it and get feedback from, you know, not an actual workable prototype. Those are three things I've tossed around in my head. <laughs> um, what is your goal? My goal is to get as much certainty as possible that I'm on the right track before investing too much in code. Hmm. So the concern is like maybe if you built a full MVP and try to get alpha people in there, you've gone down a path that's maybe not viable once they start using it. Yeah. My intuition is that I think you need some, some real use to happen to really know if you've gotten it. Like I imagine people looking at static mockups or even sort of a, a faked out prototype and saying, yeah, that's awesome, totally into it. And then possibly using it and finding that like certain things don't actually work for them in practice or going then to try to build that prototype that you had built for real and then realizing there's still 30 decisions to make because like once you actually start doing like, oh, actually, well, that brings up this thing and that thing and this thing and that thing. I like the the, the full MVP idea most of all. Although the next phase of like build the MVP and then get a bunch of alpha people in there using it or some number of alpha people, that next part is not super trivial, I would say. To get people to switch their communication tool, project management tool uh, could be challenging in itself. I mean, I guess with 4,000 people on your list, you can probably find some. So maybe that's, maybe that's actually a, a moot point. I like the real, the real thing. It feels a little bit like you've been in kind of like plan-y, mock-up-y mode for a little while now. At some point, you're going to have to put the pen on the paper and and write the essay, I think. Yeah, that was my instinct, too. And I wanted to gut check it mainly to make sure that, like, 
I'm not biased too much in favor of like, I think I can just figure this out because I know that like, it's not, it's usually not safe to assume that always with product decisions that you can, you know, always come up with the best solution without getting a lot of user testing involved or something like that. It sticks in the back of my mind that like that was a valuable exercise, especially when we were doing um, one of the last projects I was involved with at Drip, which was our, our visual email builder. We did a lot of brainstorming with our product guy and our head designer. And then we did a fair number of mockups and we kind of talked through those, worked through those internally. And then he built, our designer built like a, a prototype that was functional enough where someone could throw down an email, a printed out version of an email on on the table and ask someone, okay, recreate this in the email builder. And then, you know, basically observe them kind of stumble through and get tripped up at different points. And that was really valuable. But I'm also aware that like, this is not quite the same thing where like, that was like a self-contained interface that was supposed to be intuitive enough for someone to just build an email in. And this is like a whole communication system where all the pieces kind of have to work and or else it's just people are not going to want to use the system. So I feel like it's a little bit of an apples and oranges comparison, but that still sticks in the back of my mind of like, that was very valuable getting people involved early on. And it saved us probably a lot of time of like writing a bunch of production quality code that then would maybe need to get reworked. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like you said, your goal was to reduce the risk that you're building a bunch of things and not that, that aren't the right things. I think it might be time to just take on that risk a little bit. I don't think you can fully de-risk that with uh, static things or, or prototypes. And it, it might just be time to, to run into that. So then I think probably the other thing for me to probably stick a post-it note on my uh, wall and on my monitor is like, keep the scope as small as possible, you know, because the temptation will be to not only implement the minimum feature set that I feel like I need for to demonstrate how the product works, but then I will be tempted to like bring it to a super high level of polish, which is probably not needed if my goal is just de-risking and getting this in front of a group of alpha people who are going to be okay with like a little bit of some rough edges in the product, you know? Yeah. It sounds like you could maybe benefit from like a milestone, which is what's the short list of things I have to have in order to get five teams or whatever in here that I couldn't launch without like our milestone like what's it take before we can dog food this thing that has like a really nice focusing effect or like what's it what do we need to go to alpha it has a nice like a short circuiting quality where it's like we're like ooh, what about this and we're like ah we don't need it for alpha don't worry about it and it's that that's been useful for us if your tendency is to let, let your scope grow I think fixing a milestone or even a date uh, might be really useful for you yeah I'll say this vague date at least I would I definitely want to have this in the hands of people testing it this fall sometime. That's not a lot of time. <laughs> in the grand not scheme. that much time. You might um, need to go to an island somewhere. I know, right? <laughs> when does fall end? October? Uh, good question. Yeah, I would say the fall I'm thinking about is probably <laughs> by October. <laughs> okay. November starts to feel pretty wintry, at least where I live. It does. It does. Yeah. Okay. So. I like that. I like the sound of that. Yeah, there's nothing like the doom of an impending deadline to I know. force you to just, all right, mm-hmm. we got to figure this out. Yep, exactly. You have like multiple risks to manage. And one risk is the, is building the wrong thing. But I think you also have the risk of, of being in planning phase too long and not getting some of those wins or some of that painful feedback of like the inbox just isn't working as is. 
because I've tried it for real and I can tell you that it's not working for these reasons, ABC. Um, I, I think psychologically you're going to feel better if you have a thing and people are, are, are poking at it. I think so too. And the more time I spend thinking about what I should do, <laughs> the just the more runway, runway I'm burning. And that's another factor. Like I just, time is money and I got to get this. I think I just got to do it. So cool. Well, thanks for helping me clarify my thinking on that. Any time. <laughs> as long as we record it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Cool. Uh, well, that sounds like a reasonable path forward. Yeah. I think. So I you, good. I think rolling your sleeves up and, and getting some code going sounds like a good thing. Uh, I would encourage you to try a little retreat to do that too. I think if you can, can go somewhere and just get steeped in the level world for a few days and that might be really useful. Yeah. I think, I, I think I'll do that. I will report back. I'm not cool. on that. Nice. Awesome. Anything else? Um, one more thing. So we have talked a number of times about how we desire for the listenership of this podcast to grow. And one of the things that we haven't done proactively is ask listeners to leave us reviews in iTunes. So I'm going to put out the public call right now. Please leave us a review in iTunes. Yeah. Five-star reviews. That's a good good idea. (laughs) Yeah. I think that is known to help things rise in the search rankings and such. I don't know. That's a little bit of a black box algorithm, but I think it helps. So, yeah. Yeah. That'd be handy. Please do that. That'd be nice. Yeah. Oh, also, if you uh, happen to be a Google Play Music person, uh, we just got approved to have our podcast rehosted there or something there. So if you want to listen on your Google Home device or whatever it is, then do that. Please do. So after people have left us a glowing and wonderful review, where would they find the show notes for this episode? They can find the show notes at artofproductpodcast.com. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Thank you.